0: Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in! scintillating football by the Chicago Fire!
1: Hello, everybody. It's episode 63 of the Intercontinental Football Show with me, the voice of the Premier League for NBC Sports, Arlo White, and the voice of your Chicago Fire, Tyler Terrence, fresh from a couple of games in New York City, well, one in New Jersey, one in Queens, that yielded a point for the Chicago Fire, a 3-3 thriller. At the Red Bull Arena, a disappointing 1 0 defeat at City Field over the weekend against the reigning champions NYCFC. Revolution Brewery are the proud sponsors of the Intercontinental Football Show, and we thank them for their support. Producers, of course, of Hazy Pitch in conjunction with the Chicago Fire FC, a local brewery. Support them all you can. I've enjoyed my tins of Hazy Pitch that somehow found their way over the Atlantic. Um, I'm not going to say exactly how. Um, Tyler, Let's start. We'll get on to the 3 3 in a minute because the fire played some absolutely sensational football in that game. Wait,
0: Arlo, before we do anything, before yeah. we talk about anything,
1: oh, announcement. Let's
0: welcome the newest member of the Intercontinental Football Show. Her name is Mia James Williams. She is the daughter of our producer, Andrew Williams. She came in at 5 18 a.m. We're recording this on a Monday. 21 and a half inches, eight pounds, mother child and A dub all healthy all happy very tired but we are so thrilled <laughs> for the Williams household A dub congratulations to you and Lindsay uh, and Mia US women's national team 2042 World Cup is my prediction um, and uh, you know uh, another another fan added to the blue crew uh, here in the United States but congratulations to a dub and and welcome to the world, Mia James Williams.
1: What a beautiful name, Mia James Williams. Congratulations to the Williams family, all three of you. That is fantastic. Future Fire fan, maybe a future, you know, NWSL player, US Women's National Team, maybe a future, you know, a podcast producer for the Intercontinental Football <laughs> Show, maybe a future host of the Intercontinental Football Show. The world, Mia, is your oyster. Welcome, welcome to this crazy place called Planet Earth. And Adob, um, I love the following text on the whatsapp group by the way Tyler where he says uh, have a good look it goes into it goes into pro producer mode have a good yes. uh, record fellows send timestamps if possible i'll keep you on date updated on when i finally get back to the house for my comp and it's like hey dub, just chill just chill just, you, you, the way, take, take the week at least yes. to get used to this new reality <laughs> you know we'll we will we will we will fumble through uh, with our limited knowledge of how to edit stuff uh, without yeah. you you come back when you are ready <clears throat>
0: Uh, but very exciting stuff for a Anyway, I did not mean yes. to interrupt you. No, I no, just no, wanted no. to give yes. A-Dub, Adub and, his, and his family the due that they deserve because Absolutely. he is so crucial to the success of this podcast. Um, and he does incredible work, and and now he's going to enge- enjoy fatherhood, which uh, I obviously don't know anything about. You, Arlo, uh, are the father to two twins, um, and it, it's a very exciting time for him, and I just wanted to give
1: him a little bit of love. And I'm going to send him, um, sorry, I'm going to send Mia a Leicester City, like little onesie, so uh, where I can recruit her to the the, the Foxes family. She's a definite yep. future Fox. Uh, right. So that's fantastic. Right. And we needed some good news this morning because yesterday was disappointing. And, and I managed to watch the second half of the game live, having returned from the Etihad and the, the thrilling day that I'd had on the final day of the Premier League season. And look... I don't want to. I, I'm very pro. You know, I'm very pro MLS, and I'm very. I, I love the league. I've 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 worked in the league. I've I broadcast the league. I've given my career over to the league for 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 many years, and I'm a huge believer in soccer in the United States. What I saw in the second half at City Field, the home of the New York Mets. Say it one more time. Say City one more time. Field, the home of your New York no no no. no. Do Mets. it no do
0: it do it properly.
1: The the NL East leading New York Mets. Oh, the NL East yeah. leading. New York Mets. Sure. Okay. okay. Um, right. And, you know, frankly, that's the only sport that should be played at that stadium based on what I, based <laughs> I on what I saw yesterday, because if you're going to, and I understand there are issues with NYCFC, you know, the reigning champions, fantastic part of the city football group. You know, they've, they've had some great players down the years that you know, I love the, the branding. I look, you know, they, they're an asset, major asset for major league soccer, but, not having a stadium at this stage of their of their existence. What are we five, six years down the line? And there's no stadium in the works either. You look at the buildings that are going up in Saint Louis, you know, Columbus, Nashville, you know, Cincinnati—just phenomenal football stadiums. Now I know New York City and real estate and buying land and building regulations. I know it's an absolute nightmare, but to to play on a field that poor. That narrow, that unconducive to any sort of quality football at this level in Major League Soccer, I thought was, and I'll, I'll I'll just tone it down a little bit and say disappointing. Um, And I I give the Fire a complete pass on yesterday, and actually they were the better team in in the second half that I saw. Um, Should have equalised, should have at least got a point. I can understand Jordan Shakiri just going bonkers at the end and being so frustrated. With the situation, look—you're a Mets fan, you're a New Jersey guy. You—you you know, this must have been a thrill for you to walk through and and to and to announce at City Field. And and I'd love to get your take on on the day itself. But in terms of the conditions that they, that game was played in, and you could clearly see the baseball diamond as well. What was your take? Yeah, so I mean, listen. This
0: is the second baseball stadium that I've called a game from. Obviously, the first one being Yankee Stadium last year in um, the one 0 loss that the Chicago Fire suffered to NYCFC, and they and that was you know it's crazy thinking back to last year. The Fire went one one and one against the eventual champions, mm-hmm. and by in all of the three games that the Fire played against NYCFC, never in my wildest you know analysis of of that team did I think. That team is going to win MLS Cup. Never did I think that, especially when they were playing against the fire. And and NYCFC needed that game. There might have been fifteen hundred people at Yankee Stadium when they played that last game. And NYCFC wow. desperately needed that result. Yankee Stadium has the the, the vantage point is horrific, horrific. You end to, up to watching broadcast them to broadcast, the broadcast. yeah. You end up watching the monitor more than you end up watching the field. And at that point, you might as well just broadcast the game remotely, which, of course, is one of my fortes. But I'd I'd rather be on site, you know, 100 times out of 100. But in that scenario, I'd, I'd almost just rather not be there. Never, field, say,
1: never say, never I'd say, I may as well do it off a monitor. Don't give anyone any ideas.
0: Only if it's at a baseball field. Only if it's <laughs> at a baseball field. So... City Field is a little bit different, and you have a better view of what's going on, just the way that the, the stadium is shaped and the angle in which the field is placed in the outfield. And the fact that those words are even coming out of my mouth when I'm talking about a first division professional soccer game in the United States is heinous um, at, at its core and in its essence. So with that in mind. I was geeking out so hard the, you know go I, I got to the stadium three hours early i walk over to the ralph kiner broadcast booth that is oh. graced by none other than gary cohen ron darling and keith hernandez the greatest baseball oh. broadcast booth what ever. A lineup wow. i mean just three consummate professionals and guys that i have just grown up listening to and have grown extremely fond of and we're, there were all plenty three people- mets in the 80s um, Ron Darling and Keith Hernandez, Gary, right. is yeah, yeah, he's the play by play, yes, and and Kevin Burkhart, who was the sideline reporter at one point in time, is now the lead broadcaster for Fox, and he's going to be calling the Super Bowl. Um, wow. and now that Joe Buck is with ESPN, and and it's just like it, you know, and I and I also started my sort of broadcast production career, uh, with SNY, the, the TV home of the Mets as well. Ah. So the Mets, you know, not only just because they're my team, but just you know, starting my broadcast, sort of, um teachings and learnings uh, it, it's just it's just a very special team and a very special place for me city field so i was geeking out very hard the game eventually starts um and then it's down to business so awful conditions to play in i mean the you know the fake grass that's laid over the diamond the, the tight nature of the field you could see the ball bouncing up um the, the crowd was great i mean for for a sunday game on a steamy evening in in flushing queens there was probably close to fifteen
1: thousand people there and really good noise as well do they draw um, better at, at City? Like, let's take, the, let's take the conditions out of it. Do they draw better there than Yankee Stadium? Is there a case where they could move there permanently and sort the field out?
0: Maybe, but I think that they're already attached to being in the Bronx, and I know that they want to be in one of the five boroughs in general. Um, but mm. Queens seems like the spot where you can actually where there's space, right? you know, yeah. that's that, that that's the that's the problem for New York is that they need to find space, and that's the problem for Chicago as well. In these big metropolitan cities, where are you going to put a, where are you going to put a brand new mm. soccer specific stadium that is parking in the whole thing? So, with all that in mind. I really thought that the first 20, 25 minutes of the game from the fire was very, very good. They were pressing. They were making sure that NYCFC couldn't really breathe, couldn't play out. And both teams are playing three games in eight days. And this is the third game, obviously. Um, and, and and NYCFC had a couple of pieces missing and some rotation, uh, a couple of pieces missing and some rotation. Um, and then a really harsh handball called on Miguel Navarro. Now, let's... It's harsh, but it's by the letter of the law, which I do believe is wrong when you're thinking about a handball and how it's interpreted, right? So if you're going to take out the natural position, uh, natural position wording of it, then if it's going to be, you know, simply if, if your body is ex- or if your arm is extended away from your body and it's in an, and it's making your body bigger, okay, yeah, it's a handball. But how, as a defender, if you're jumping Arlo and you're any semblance of an athlete, how are you supposed to jump without having your arms up? Really, if you're standing up right now and you're working from home and you're listening to this podcast, I want you to just do a little bit. Do something for me. Try to jump up in an athletic form and not raise your arms. You're going to jump like a penguin. What else is Miguel Navarro supposed to do? The ball hits his hand. They go to VAR. Photos Pizzacos ends up calling a penalty. It's the right call by the letter of the law, but the law is written incorrectly. and, And we could talk about this for an entire pod. But Eber steps up, buries the penalty, second goal of the season. And from there, NYCFC just sort of cracked on. And by cracked on, I mean that neither team really played anything close to aesthetically pleasing football. And they just, you know, sort of wore, uh, wore the fire down and, and were able to get it done. But this was, this was a game that was not fun to, to, to really watch from like a beautiful game perspective, but that's because of the field. So um, it, another tough result, and I know Fire fans are just sort of like at this point, This just feels, it it feels empty. It really does. And it feels um, just sort of not same old fire because I do not want to hear that when we're talking about this team. But as far as the results are concerned, it's nine without a win in league play, 10 across all competitions. This is really difficult to sort of wrap your head around. But the good Mm -hmm. news is, again, it's five points out of a playoff spot. It is nothing. And it's nothing. And now you're heading into this Toronto game, Arlo. Get four points from this road swing. I think most mm-hmm. fire fans would have bitten off your arm uh, for four points in a three-game road swing. And and Toronto's in a bad way. The only team that's, uh, you know, sort of close to fire in terms of form right now. And Bob Bradley cannot seem to figure it out. And Lorenzo Insigne cannot come soon enough for that group. Arlo, you might be on the call for his first game in Major League Soccer as well um, in July when Toronto come to town. But um, regardless, a, a really frustrating performance a frustrating uh road trip and listen the way that the Wednesday game went down made all of this that much more difficult to really wrap your head yeah. around because yeah. the nature of that 3-3 draw and I, listen I think that a lot of fans would have signed up for a draw on the road against Red Bull but mm. scoring in the 89th minute and then conceding 90 seconds later um impossible impossible and and the, and the mistake I, I was watching
1: yeah I was watching that game live um, in the wee small hours, and I was leaping about my my front room after Jordan Shakir's beautiful finish. And you think three two, that they, they played some super football. Chris Mueller's goal with the combination with with Gutierrez, and and you know just such a good showing. And then to blow it right at the end when you could have started a three match road swing with three points mm. in a very very difficult place, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. But there were so many positives to take from that game. But then, as I say, you know you go into that situation where everything is against you in 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 city field and it, it just made it very difficult
0: it felt like two points lost and but you got chris mueller on the score sheet for the fire you got jordan shakiri his first goal from the run of play yeah and you scored off a set piece and wyatt armsberg gets his first professional goal it was all set up for the fire to be able to get three points unfortunately uh, a bad mistake from Boris Sekulich not following his run uh, to give up that goal. And then obviously the mistake from Gaga. And that was two games in a row where he's sort of, you know, might've cost them a result uh, if we're really going to be honest about it. But um, yeah, I mean, then you go into City field and the home of the champ, the the auxiliary home of the champions and um, just a really difficult road swing, um, you know, two out of the first three of this, of this three game road trip. And, and now you're sort of thinking to yourself, I'm not ready I asked Tony this question on the broadcast, and I'm curious on your thoughts. I'm not ready to go ahead and say there needs to be a fundamental change in philosophy, formation, whatever it might be, to try to get this team going. Because you still were missing Rafael Chijos along the back line. Um, you ended up having to bring Carlos Tehran on because Mauricio Pineda did pick up a knock towards the end of the first half. And you're a little sort of out of sorts from a personnel standpoint along the back line. But when it comes mm-hmm. to the attacking third and City Field is difficult is a difficult place to play, but also just due to the dimensions of the field, the Fire can't really play the expansive, you know, sort of clean football that they want to play, and that when they're at their best, they're capable of playing. But I'm right on the borderline of sort of, well, does something need to change? I don't think it's coaching staff. I, I don't think it's anything along those lines. I just think that it might be how do we get our best eleven on the field and and change it up because even Arlo sometimes for a player. I know that the 4-2-3-1 and sort of, you know, like having this system in place and being able to work on it, you know, since preseason was always the idea. And you haven't even had Jairo Torres, Chris Mueller, and Jared and Shakiri on the field for even close to 90 minutes yet. Um, but I'm right on the cusp of like, okay, something needs to change at some point. Yeah. And I'm other than other than a tactical change, I'm not sure what that is.
1: Well, I can remember last season when I was in Chicago, and you know, the, a couple of results had gone against Rafa Wiki's side at the time. And do you remember the night when he went to three at the back? Yep. I think it was at the Philadelphia Union.
0: It was, it was.
1: And, you know, the, the fire hadn't been scoring, they hadn't been getting results, and the union were very strong. Okay, they, they I don't think Shabilko played in that game, and they, they rested a couple of stars. But but it was 3-3, and it was thrilling. And, and the, the fire started scoring goals and getting a, f- a few results after that, culminating in that in that great 3-0 victory over Atlanta United in the last game that I called. Um, so, you know, you, you don't have to tear everything up and start again, but a tweak can can reap rewards. And if you look at this this starting 11 um, from, from NYCFC, if you were to revert to something like a 4-3-3 with Jimenez at the base, I have no problem with Navarro in that sort of Jordan Henderson type role where he's yeah. kind of box to box. And Jordan Shakiri on the left side of that you know, mm. that 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 midfield three where he can still create, he can still get on the ball and cause heaps of damage to the opposition. Yeah. Might have a little bit more tracking back to do, but then you've got Mueller one side and either Guti or or Torres on the other. Um, and then Shabilko in, 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 in between as the as the as the striker or Duran as as the striker. So it's a little tweak that that means that Jimenez who who puts in tackles all over the place and can use the ball and distribute from that position. Or if he's not available, then Pineda is perfect to to slot in there. I think there's more to Navarro's game than simply snapping at ankles and winning balls back. I think he can play, you know, and he's going to develop. He's only very young. We know that Jordan Shakiri can play and that still puts him in a situation where it's not a floating free role or a number 10 role, but it's still an attacking midfield position. And you've got the wide guys who are going to be phenomenal, whether that's a homegrown in Guti or the two big signings in Torres and Mueller. And then you've got Duran, who we've seen score, or Shabilko, uh, who we know can score in Major League Soccer. So you not, you've not torn everything up there. You've not fundamentally changed your your philosophy and approach to the game. It's a tweak. Uh, and it, you know again, it depends on 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 the opposition, but it's a tweak that might get the best out of that midfield, out of Jordan Shakiri and out of that front three.
0: Agreed. And, and it could be a four, three, three. I mean, I was even thinking for a moment, I was like on the bus after the game and we were, and we were driving from City field to Newark. Um, Cause that's where we ended up flying out of. And obviously it's a long drive, Sunday traffic, leaving the city. Uh, not, not, not exactly what you want to be doing on a Sunday night, particularly <laughs> after a loss, but that's simply where we found ourselves. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what what formation could work? I'm thinking about maybe like a four four two diamond of some sort where like mm. you have maybe a Chris Mueller or a Jairo Torres a little more withdrawn underneath Shabilko or making runs in behind of Shabilko's checking. Um, you know, and Shakiri obviously at the top of that, and maybe Jairo Torres and, and Gastoni Metas on either side, and then Federico Navarro, you know, at the base or Gastoni Metas at the base. There's a number of different things that you could potentially do, but even to just try it out for a game and just reset the batteries. You know, you and I both know in in any form of life and any walk of life, a change is as good as a rest and as good as a reset. And I just think that there have there. Again I started this by saying I'm not convinced that we're there yet but we're very very close. Uh, if you can go ahead and get three points at Toronto mm-hmm. in the 4 2 3 one and you're close to your strongest 11 as, as possible then you can say crack on and be like all right this is what we're going to stick with let's put our heads down and and let's find our form now in the in the, in the dog days of the summer but um, you know right now it just seems a little stale moving forward that's that's simply that's simply what it is but um, again, we still have not seen this team at its full strength. Eleven with Jairo Torres in the starting eleven, he's still yet to start. He played forty-five minutes, um, you know, on the road against against tough NYCFC team. And credit to NYCFC because they got nine points in a week. That is not hmm. an easy thing to do in Major League Soccer, and particularly when they were missing Tati Castellanos due to the yellow card suspension. And you know, you talk about City Football Group um, and and obviously, you know, I, I start started the broadcast with sort of a, a reluctant congratulations to Manchester City, um, you know, for winning the Premier League. But when you're thinking about the the City Football Group and the scouting department that they have, they aren't missing when it comes to these signings that they're making in these mm. Brazilian and particularly, you know, Brazil-Uruguayan uh, signings that as NYCFC have made over the past uh, year or so. Tiago Andrade, Thayss Magno, um, you know Tiago Martins coming over, you know end up signing a a center back as a DP, and this new kid Gabriel Pereira who's coming off the bench, he's already got two goals in in seven appearances, and he's only made two starts. So they continue to hit on almost every single signing, and it's almost not fair uh, to have City Football Group sort of funding a team in Major Mm. League Soccer. But Mm. um, full credit to them for being able to get over the line, and three wins in a week is very impressive. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of on the cusp of like, does something need to change uh, from a philosophy standpoint? So it's, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens in the Toronto game, and then if if it is a draw or a loss, if there has to be a change in order to just sort of reset the batteries and say, yeah. okay, you know, now we now we need to figure it
1: out. Um, well, yeah, fair play to the, the the city football group and NYCFC because you've you've organized a game against a team that 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 has excellent wingers. And the game is played on a pitch that has no wings, so so you know, great, that was fantastic. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, uh, look, if you if any football team should have the ability to to tweak a system depending tactically, on the tactically yeah. flexible, yeah, that yeah, that suits any circumstance. And, and you you know by by moving away for a game from the four two three one, you could revert to it in game if it's not yeah. working. Um, these are not, it's not, this is not major structural overhauls. I think, I think football teams and footballers l- enjoy being a little more tactically flexible, but they don't want to be hearing it every five minutes. You know, now we should, we're, we're lads, we're diamond now, no lads, four, two, three, one now, yeah. because then they're like, what the hell is going on? Can we just settle on one thing? If, if there are key tweaks at key times, Against against that's in response to the match situation and the opponent, you know, I, tweets like that are not I'm not a big deal, but they yeah. could they could be very successful. They could reap a, a great deal of reward. And four three three, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge four two three one fan anyway. There was there's a kind of a there's a kind of stay on us to that because you're always having to you know holding, holding essentially yes. holding mids. And Tony's an that all yeah. the time. It the was time. an era of that when we first started uh, started broadcasting the Premier League nine years ago. Virtually every team was four two three one. Mm-hmm. Then it was the likes of Brendan Rodgers who started going, hold oh, on a minute, let's have one pivot, Stephen Gerrard, in 2013-14, in, in and two ahead of him, which was kind of like, um, uh, was it like Joe Allen and, um, oh, goodness me, uh, Jordan so, Henderson. Why- it, sorry? No, why the, was
0: was Wynaldum there yet or no?
1: He might have he been there. Um, yeah. The front three was basically Sturridge, Sterling, and Suarez, yes. uh, and but so you've got one holding midfielder essentially. You've got a number eight that's going up and down, but you're you're committing one more midfielder to attack, and yes. that's what with, with you know whether it's Navarro at the base covering all the ground, whether it's Jimenez at the base covering all the ground, or, or they're in a the position further forward. It doesn't matter a bit. It's a positive thing, and if you have Xhosh yeah. back, which which obviously is very important you know, marshalling the defence. You don't have to protect that defence as much. And you can go and take the game to the opposition with an extra uh, midfielder committed to forward yeah. play. And and that, to me, is what this team is built. This team is built to attack. This team team is built to yeah. go and score goals and, and cause damage in the final third. Let's tweak the system maybe and, and, and see if that can, can bear any fruit.
0: You know, I I love these, I love these halftime interviews we do with Ezra and, and it's not only because we get to talk to the coach, but because he's very honest with us when we're, when, when we get to talk to him as well. I mean, he tells, tells us exactly what he's thinking, probably what he's going to tell them in the dressing room within reason. Um, and, and and the things that he's been saying recently also lend me to believe that you know maybe it's not the system and maybe there are just some things on the field right now that need to change. Ball retention is one of them. Too many cheap giveaways in the middle of the field and mm-hmm. and, and unforced errors, whether it be trying to play out of the back, playing to the proper foot so that you can. Because timing is everything. And again, we talk about the razor thin margins in this league. If you're going to if you're trying to break out on the other end and you're trying to take advantage of the other team throwing numbers forward and you want to start a counterattack, if you play it five yards ahead of somebody into the proper foot and you're playing it ahead of them to the right foot so they can take a touch into space that's going to allow you to go continue to go forward if you play it behind them even half a yard they have to circle back around the defense has an opportunity to get numbers back mm-hmm. behind the ball and it thwarts the opportunity there are little tiny details that i think are escaping the fire at times that are driving ezra and the coaching staff absolutely up a wall and i can totally get it the other thing that he continues to talk about and i had a great conversation with him at the w at the hoboken in, in hoboken was that it's not only the fact that they need to continue to play forward. And I actually think they did a good job against both Red Bulls and and, mm. and NYCFC of trying to play forward again, you know, when you're at City Field and on a baseball diamond, it's impossible, but, um, it's the movement and presenting options and also receiving the ball on the half turn. Too many times we see Gaston Jimenez, we see Federico Navarro with their back to goal receiving the ball. And then and then you have to perform something spectacular if you are going to turn up field. And like only Tiago can do that, right? Where he gives you that little dip of the shoulder mm-hmm. and then he goes. So like, you know, Federico Navarro and Gaston He's beaten you before
1: the ball's even arrived at his feet.
0: Exactly. And you yeah, it's it, good luck trying to get anywhere near him. But like- it's just one of those things where I think that if they can take care of these details, then yes, the four-two-three-one might be the best way to set this team up. And and you can make the argument that that was maybe the reason why they were, you know, earning clean sheets left and right at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. because Federico and or, or it was actually Mauricio Pineda and Gaston Jimenez were doing such a good job of protecting the back line. So, you know, it, it, it might be a combination of, of some tactical tweaks getting a strong 11 and then also taking care of some really simple things that professional footballers should be taking care of themselves on the field, which is making sure that everything is clean and playing out of the back and doing it the right way and receiving the ball on a half turn. It seems wildly simple Arlo but it makes a huge Mm. difference where if you're able to receive it on the half turn you can see what's ahead of you you know what you're going to do with the ball before it gets to you and you're and you're forcing the defense to either make a decision to step to you and if you're receiving it on the half turn you could take a touch around them or they're going to drop off and then you drive and then you and then you make them commit and then you play out so listen I I Again, I'm not saying that we're at that point where there needs to be a change, but we're getting dangerously close. And, and I do think that there are some things that the guys on the field can't take care of. I also want to say, I think that there are two guys right now who do need to step it up a little bit. I think that we have not seen the best of Gaston for the past three weeks. We, we, we raved about him for the first you know eight or nine weeks of the season, and he deserved it. And, and we're trying to be honest on this podcast. I think that his level has dropped a little bit. It is, I don't think it's 2021 Gaston, but it has dropped. And then Boris Sekulic, when he's been on the field, has not been anywhere close to his best, um, defensively or in the attacking third. So I think that there are a couple of performances from your older players, Arlo. Think about yeah. Gaston, he at 31 and, 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 and Boki at 30 have to step up and have to be more consistent in their performances if the fire are going to put an end to this winless streak
1: yes and i know it's been a tough week for gaga slanina as well in in goal uh, a more solid performance at City Field at the weekend, you know, um, you know, it it will be remiss to brush over the late era at the at the Rebel Arena, um, which was just I don't know what happened. It was a rush of blood to the head or just a lack of concentration, um, and and it was disappointing. And then you know, the good news for US soccer fans, of course, is that, that Geiger has has um, announced that he will will dedicate himself to being a, a US a US international in the future uh, with uh, with Poland very interested in his services so uh, that's that you know great news for Gaga great news for his family great news for US soccer fans with a with a world cup on the horizon uh, the performances though we've got to got to be there in order to get selected for for that squad so you know buckle down if if that was a if that was any sort of distraction it's now time now it's over and the announcement has been made it's, uh, it's time to buckle down get on with the day job and and clean it up a little bit um you know when we look when we look at tactics and when we look at um philosophy um essentially this is an organization and Ezra is a is a coach that that want to play entertaining attacking football, and all the best teams. And I can only speak really for the Premier League. You know, you look at Man City, you look at Liverpool; they're on a different stratosphere to anyone on the planet, really, at the moment. But um, give or take a few uh, other super clubs, but four three three, the four three. It's a it's a, it's I'm, a I'm variation biggest. on the four three three. I yes. I I like it. I, I said 4-2-3-1 I said when everyone was playing it, it just cancelled each other out and it was a little dull. 4-3-3 three, three means you attack, we attack, you attack, we attack. And, yeah. and it just makes for brilliant, brilliant games of football. And, you know, and and just just finally on this, on this New York thing, I mean, just as a spectacle... Red Bull Arena, and I was following the the the, um, the social media team as well as as watching the game live. The Red Bull Arena is one of my favourite soccer stadiums anywhere. I mean, I, I, and I don't, and honestly, I mean that because I've had some great great calls there, great memories there. Um, the snow game, uh, the playoff game when it was postponed for 24 hours and DC United went in and won and Jimmy, uh, um, there there was a penalty save. But it was just just insane, just loved it. And the broadcasting vantage point is great. That to me is a proper football environment. That's Mm. got everything going for it. Just not as many fans as the Red Bulls would like. And I know it's in New Jersey, so it's not ideal. The area hasn't been regenerated in the way that it should have been in Harrison and all that, but the stadium is fabulous. Compare that. To the abomination that is in <laughs> soccer terms, City Field, and you've got two clubs that could both be absolutely massive because of where they're based. And you know, location is an issue for the Red Bulls, but the stadium is superb. You know, the location isn't really an issue for NYCFC, but the stadium issue is is just just poor. Yeah. And I don't know how they sort it out, but they need to sort it out because it's not right for opposition teams to have to go in, you know, because they'll come in and play on a beautiful field, Soldier Field, in August, beautiful mm-hmm. dimensions, everything's fine. You go and play your football because this is yep. this is a this is a this is a football stadium. You know, I know it's I know it's an NFL stadium, but it, it it's it it's a proper football stadium as well why should the fire have to go? And it sounds like sour, sour grapes. I don't mean it to be, but why should they have to go in a crucial game and play on what was essentially a potato field, you know? And it wasn't even a regulation size potato field. I don't like it. I don't get fired up very often about things, but I was watching that game and I can understand the fury of Jordan Shaqiri. Look, he might have been frustrated with his own performance and the defeat, and it's a tough time, nine without a win, 10 in all competitions. I get it. Um, but as a professional, a professional. As a, a top-level professional, I don't think it's fair to expect him, with the pressure on him, with the, with the price tag and with the wages, to, to to play on that field and be expected to be world class. He just can't. Um, it's like it's uh, like saying it's like you know I don't know. It's like getting uh, Jimmy Page on the guitar that's got three strings and yeah, telling him to or, play go and play, this, go and play this go and play this go and play the solo from Stairway to Heaven with three yeah, strings. Or, or you're and, 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 and yeah. <laughs> And, and you're, you're standing asking, on your head and you can only use one hand.
0: Yeah, you're asking Lewis Hamilton to go uh, to go try to win the win the constructors championship, you know, on Lakeshore Drive or something along those lines. Like it's just yeah. you know, you have you have these great, you have these great um players and these great personalities, and the vehicle in which they're supposed to, you know, try to perform their 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 work is just is just crap. And I'll take it a step further. I would be okay with this still if it was New York City's first year in the league, their second year yeah. in the league
1: been their third this is their eighth with 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 a with a stadium on the way with a stadium on the way this is (laughs) temporary and look at what we put the foundations down in this great new
0: stadium we're going to be there in two years and and that's what nashville did right i mean they end up playing a nissan stadium and granted it's the same situation that that the fire find themselves in and during football season it does not look great with the football lines and everything like that but at least that nashville could say that they had something in the works right What is happening with NYCFC? Nobody knows. And they continue. I mean, listen, I'm sure that to a certain extent that they, I mean, listen, they were what a four or five seed last year and they had to go on the road for most of their, uh, for most of their playoff games. No wonder that they won they're playing on proper stadiums throughout the entirety of the playoffs and they go and they go ahead and win MLS Cup like <laughs> if they had to play all their games at Yankee Stadium and and I remember they had to play a playoff game at City field not even Yankee yes. Stadium and they end up and they end up losing to Toronto I think it was Ronald Matarito who conceded a penalty very very late on to Toronto
1: because um, it's a lottery it's a complete yeah.
0: lottery yeah. So anyway, we can, we can talk about, you know, stadium issues in, in major league soccer for literally three hours, but
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> but, and I'm not using that as, as a total excuse, but I, I, based on what I saw, I think the fire get a, and it's frustrating, but I think the fire get a bit of a pass on, on the city field debacle. And I'd rather focus on what was a very good performance at the New York Red Bulls and then look ahead and talking about a team that's got it right. Stadium wise, it's Toronto FC. Now, unfortunately, because of certain other protocols or whatever, um, you're calling the game off tube. Yeah. From Florida. <laughs> yes. Um,
0: <laughs> no, no. There have been no hazy pitches consumed at this point. Arlo is, Arlo is speaking truth right now. Um, yes. So, so, so tell me about that. <laughs> so basically, with with COVID still being a thing in this world right now, and with all the issues that can arise from that, you know, getting our production crew across the border. And I actually think it's coming back right now, which is the more, which is the more difficult thing, which, you know, at the beginning of COVID was it was it was reversed. Getting into Canada was really difficult and coming back into the United States is easy. Now it's flipped for whatever reason. So with that in mind, we were like, okay, we're gonna call the game off monitor. We're gonna get, you know, get all of our crew in one spot, and we're just not gonna do it from Canada. Okay, great, fine. Tony and I have done that a million times. Soldier Field booked. Seeky booked. Big Ten Network in in River North, booked. Everything that we could possibly, every option has been exhausted. So now for, we literally, for a game that's going to be played north of the border, we are going to go down to Orlando to call the game from Full Sail University. Um, Yes, that's a real place. It's like a, it's supposed to be a world-class broadcast communication school that has a phenomenal facility. Um, And and the powers that be that are sort of uh, the, the, you know, out of house experts that we employ at the fire we're like, "This is the best place for us to call a game." Given given the fact that Seaquik Soldier Field, the places that we used to do it during COVID, are unavailable. So, I'm actually going to go down to Florida on Wednesday. I'm going to call Sporting Kansas City, Houston Dynamo, Round of 16 U.S. Open Cup. So I'll be okay. on the call, and then um, and then Tony and I are going to uh, after after a home cooked meal by his by his lovely wife Colleen, we are going to drive up to Orlando on Friday night and then call the game from Folsom University. Uh, on saturday night uh, with with the team obviously being in toronto so that's how that sort of came about um and it'll be the first game that we called off the monitor um since i I believe since toronto late last year um and that was you know almost a year ago at this point so that's a good thing that that we haven't called the game off monitor in that long that means we're, we're getting back to normalcy but um yeah it should be an interesting experience and i'm looking forward to you know Exploring full sail universities and all that the sailors have to offer. I, I don't know if that's their nickname. I I just made that up. I,
1: I I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure the students down there would love the dad joke approach as well. Uh, maybe in a college town, you know, night, you know, the pre-game. Uh, if you drag Tony <laughs> out for a night out. Um, well, that's the that's interesting. Every broad, every broadcast in every situation bring something that you can learn from and add to your add to your list of experiences i mean you know we we both broadcast in some weird and wonderful places i can remember one time in karachi pakistan at the national stadium seventy thousand people in a stadium that should only have Held forty thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, England got thrashed by Pakistan. The whole stadium was jumping. Um, our broadcast lines didn't work on the radio. Our satellite didn't work. We ended up calling the entire game, and it lasted eight hours on a mobile phone. <laughs> and I had a one of the most famous. He was like the Thai Cobb of of English cricket. So like mm. you know, grizzled and 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 opinionated and all that. Um, and uh, in, but in his late sixties, and he wasn't necessarily a fae with all the technology. And in mid century. I realized he was talking into the wrong, the wrong side of the phone. And I had to, <laughs> in mid-sentence, had to turn the phone around so that the right bit was by his ear and the right bit was by his mouth. So, you know, and you have to, you have to giggle at it. At the time, it's super stressful. This won't be stressful for you because you know, you know what you're doing. But you look back and go, God, I'm glad that happened. Yes. And <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of fun.
0: So I can, so, so my, just if we're taking a trip down memory lane, so my first real commentating job out of, out of school was for the Trenton Generals of the Atlantic Coast Baseball League. So think of Cape Cod League. That's where all the you know top college players go to play. And then like four or five rungs down the ladder is the Atlantic Coast Baseball League. You had the Allentown Railers. You had, you had some you know just truly historic names in, in, in the Atlantic Coast Baseball League. So I'm calling the game for the Trenton Generals. I'm getting paid $800 for the summer to call 75 games and also be the I official- I
1: you were going to say $800 a game. I'm like, oh, I'll have a bit of that. I'll be the voice of the Trenton Generals. Go spend the summer over there. $800 for the season. For the season. For the season. (laughs) And I was the official
0: scorekeeper. So I had on one, so I had like my, so like I had to basically keep score on this iPad that they gave me. And like, I was the official scorekeeper. Anybody who wanted to follow the game was, so I'm commentating the game and the official scorekeeper at the same time. Uh, Truly a remarkable experience. Anyway, our first game is right towards the end of the season. We're playing at a Mercer County Community College in New Jersey. And Mercer County Community College was actually one of the best junior college baseball teams in the country at the time, and they were playing in the national championship. So nobody was on campus to be able to sort of like open up the field and open up the press box. So the so I go there to call the game, and I'm using um, basically the microphone that I have right now, which is just a Blue Yeti. It's it's hundred dollars. You plug it into your computer, ipso facto you have a broadcast. So the 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 booth is locked. I can't get in. So what I end up doing, so like at any baseball field, there's the backstop, right? You know, the the metal grate and it and it's overhanging and the whole thing and cat, you know it blocks all the foul balls. So with my backpack on and you know after exhausting every option, calling the groundskeeping crew, seeing if I can get in, 30 minutes until first pitch, I end up scaling the backside of of the of the backstop and I propel myself in through the window that i opened up from the outside so that i can call the game and i unlocked it and then i was and then i was good to go from there so that was my first ever Professional, quote unquote, broadcast, and I earned every single cent of my what I guess you know. If you're going to do $800 for 75 games over the summer, I I earned every cent of my $11 game check uh, on the day by just in the in the the 30 minutes before the first game. By the sounds of it, exactly, exactly. Yes, so so that's (laughs) that's my uh, you know origin story of how I started my
1: broadcast career as well. (laughs) Well, while we're on it, I'm going to be super quick. So the first paid broadcast I ever did was a reporting uh, shift for BBC Radio Derby. Local radio. They gave me their radio car to go down to cover an FA Vars game between uh, Belper Town, no, Matlock Town against Forest Green Rovers, who are now in the Football League, but they were a small non-league club at the time. The, the fee was £25. Mm-hmm. I was so excited after doing the game, I pulled out onto a what we call a dual carriageway, you know, a main road, and immediately got flashed by a speed camera, and the fine eventually was £50. So my first... <laughs> Paid broadcasting gig netted minus 25 pounds. Um, so that's not even, you know, that's not even $800. That's nowhere near $800. I was 25 quid out of pocket on my first broadcast. Can you believe it? Only I would slow, be capable of slow that. Slow down. Slow down. Well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it was doing 35 and a 30. You know, it, it wasn't Lewis Hamilton here. It wasn't a blurred mm. image. You know, I mean, uh, it was, <clears throat> But yeah. I mean, that's what makes this, that's what makes this job so great, just as the exactly. stories uh, you know, huh. the, and the experiences. Uh,
0: what, a, what, a, what a tangent so, we've had. We've got a on a
1: beautiful tangent. Beautiful yeah. time. I enjoyed that. Um, uh, people may have switched off or people may have enjoyed it too. Uh, that was episode 63 of the Intercontinental Football Show. Tyler's on the call from Florida with Tony on Saturday night, 7 p.m. Central or 6 p.m. Central?
0: That game is going to be
1: at 6 p.m. Central. 6 p.m. Central, WGN, CF97 Live as well. Um, Let's bring four points back, guys, from this road trip after a Really good performance in in New Jersey, then a disappointment in Queens. Uh, any other business? We have got to say another congratulations to AW and the family for the yes. arrival of Mia. Uh, the Premier League season is over. Do check out our our, our pod of and um, describing uh, my experiences and Tyler's experiences of the final day of the of the Premier League season. But we'll be back next week and hopefully points in the bag. Have a safe trip, Tyler. Say hello to Tony for me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Rate and and reply and do all that good stuff and subscribe to the podcast and months more thanks to Revolution Brewing uh, for their continued support. Get a few hazy pitches down you this Sunday or this Saturday evening, sorry, uh, watching the Fireface TFC. Tyler, safe travels. Goodbye, everyone. You, Speak to you next week.